I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the 74th episode of Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Scott Osler and Ann Killian, as well as sports writer Rusty Simmons. They were on hand with me at Oracle Arena for the Warriors' season-ending Game 6 loss to the Raptors in the NBA Finals. Late Thursday night, Scott, Ann, and Rusty sat down with me in the club level of Oracle Arena to break down the possible end of a Warriors dynasty, the ramifications of Klay Thompson's torn ACL, and much, much more. We'll have our conversation right after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On Thursday, Scott Osler and Killian and Rusty Simmons sat down with me in Oracle Arena's club level. Not really the way the Warriors wanted to send... This one out. Um, the Warriors lost game six for the NBA Finals tonight, as you already know, 114 to 110. And they lost it at quite a, quite a cost. Uh, just came out not long ago. Clay Thompson sh- suffered a torn ACL of his left knee. Um, for those who aren't familiar, that's a nine to 12 month recovery, um, which is akin to the recovery timetable that Kevin Durant's looking at with an Achilles. So it's not necessarily as career threatening as, as an Achilles, but in terms of how much time he's potentially going to miss, it's, it's similar. So you're looking at two of the Warriors, three best players potentially missing all of next season, both of whom are both free agents in three, in three weeks. So there's a lot of questions right now before we get into all that, let's get into the game. Um, what did you guys think of their effort tonight? And was there any point in this game where you thought they were going to pull this one out? Yeah, I thought they would. I mean, we've we've been around these guys long enough to know that um, I, they're often better when their backs are against the wall and when they actually have a reason to feel like the underdogs. And, yeah, by the time you lose Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson hobbles off and gets crutches, um, that's usually just the time that, that the Warriors step up and do something amazing. I kind of threw in the towel when Clay went out because not only does that leave you one shooter, basically, and Steph, who's having an off night anyway, and they're collapsing on it anyway, even with Clay in there, and with, with him out, plus his defense. He loses defense. So I pretty much left the building when that happened. Except you didn't because you had a column to write. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was a um... – it was, it was a great game, by the way. It was exciting from start to finish, and it was a great way to send out Oracle. It was, you know, loud and raucous, and 
and thrilling and kind of a encapsulated, except for the losing part at the end, it encapsulated a lot of what um, this Warriors run has been about um, and what Oracle has brought to it. But I, I agree with Scott when, when Clay went out, I just, I couldn't believe they were actually continued to battle and still be in it within, you know, that they could have won it at the very end because it just felt like, you know, there was just no chance. Um, and they did. They 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 uh, they got behind, and then Sean Livingston and Iguodala made some big plays. I mean, they they went down with a really with a fight. I mean, it's hard to kill the king, right? Exactly. Um, they I think they only scored twenty five points over the final fourteen plus minutes after Thompson left the game, but they ratcheted up their defensive intensity and stayed in it. Um, as soon as I realized that that Clay wasn't coming back. I thought there's no chance the Warriors can win this game because they're already without KD, without Clay. Um, one thing about Toronto is they're relentless. They, no matter what's happening with the Warriors, they don't have peaks and valleys. It feels like they've been pretty consistent. Um, they don't let the foot off the gas like like the Warriors have many times this season. Um, so. I I was not surprised that they lost. I was actually more surprised that it was as close as it was given everything that happened. Um let's let's take a second before we go any further to reflect a little bit on Toronto. Um because in my mind, um this is I've only covered this team three years. Rusty, you'd know better than me, but I feel like this was the toughest opponent the Warriors have faced in the five year run. That includes the two thousand sixteen Cavs. What do you think? No, I agree with you. Um you can you can probably make the argument that because of the Cavs, because they had LeBron, that that, that was a challenge in itself. But um, Kawhi was the best player in in the postseason, all all postseason long, and he has so many good parts around him. Um, and it seems like when we watch the NBA these days, it's become like such a specific game of I'm putting this guy in for corner threes or this guy in for defense. And it, every time you look at Everybody on the Toronto roster, you think, oh, he can do it all. Like they've got, they've got two-way players up and down the roster, um, and I thought that stood out throughout the series. They're they're fast, they're long, um, and, and they can do a lot of different things that, that all mesh together in, in a pretty pretty impressive team. And the thing is, they're all pretty much uh, battle hardened. Most of these guys have been in the finals before. Siakam not, but and so he looked like the guy that might be choking because he had a really big first game, and then he kind of went in the deep freeze for four games, and people are thinking, and he was like 0 for 12 three-pointers coming into this game. Hadn't hit a three-pointer since the first game. Sat out the last nine minutes of last game because of his crappy defense. And he comes out firing, right? Hits two threes right away. And and so if these guys were going to choke, that was going to be the time they were going to do it. And when they declined to choke, then I think that was a that put the Warriors in a tough spot right from the beginning. Yeah, I think they're, they're a, a great team great champion worthy champion as uh, as Steve Kerr called them after the game um i think they were um you know they were a worthy opponent for the warriors they they did a lot of the same things that the warriors do um they're really interesting they seem to have um good connection on the court and good chemistry off the court and uh yeah i find them like to be a really likable team now i don't know if they're going to be that same team I don't know if this is the start of anything for them because there's so many questions about Kawhi, who just won his second Finals MVP, and um, you know that's that's a big question. But um, it's a, it was a pretty cool unit um, with a lot of interesting personalities and a lot of talent and a lot of uh, grit and 
they the moment never ever ever got too big for them which is kind of surprising i mean yeah they they are really experienced but for as a group together they never you know they hadn't they hadn't gotten to a spot like this and they nothing seemed to bother them so you know to win it on the road against the two-time defending champions even with a depleted roster that the warriors had but i still think it was pretty impressive yeah you know i think it's pretty clear they're, they're a better team because okay the injuries were huge i understand that but they won in six games they that's 24 quarters they won what 19 or 20 of the 24 quarters the raptors did they outran out fast broke outran the warriors uh, they matched them with three-pointers. Their defense was least equal to the Warriors. That They do the kind of switching defense that they kind of learned from the Warriors, that the Warriors taught everybody. So they kind of took the Warriors game and, and beat them with it. Yeah, I mean, I they're deeper. I think in some, they shot better. Um, I, I think they're a more complete roster. Um, they're not quite as top heavy but they they have a better bench they have better role guys and i think that's one thing you really saw in this series is the warriors outside of their all-stars and when i say all-stars i'm talking about uh clay draymond who i know was not an all-star this year but i'm counting him obviously steph and kd outside of those four guys they're really not that deep i mean especially given Cousins was coming back from the quad injury, was pretty inconsistent, had a couple good games at the end of the series, but overall was pretty inconsistent. And then the rest of their bench, you just you didn't know exactly what you were going to get from them night in and night out. And um, that's that's the hard thing about maintaining a dynasty is is because you need you need to restock on on the cheap and it's only going to get harder and harder uh, as we go forward, kind of reflecting on the season a little bit. it's, uh, it was my third season on the beat. I have to say it was the most dramatic, the most intense, the most interesting in a lot of ways. There was a lot of locker room stuff. Some was reported, some wasn't. Obviously, we all know about the Draymond Durant argument in mid-November. That was kind of symptomatic of a larger issue, which was uh, the, you know, the fact that Durant never really addressed the speculation around his pending free agency and so that was kind of a cloud hanging over all the team and then top of that you had the most injuries that you've seen in the entire uh the entire steve kerr era uh, which obviously mounted in the playoffs um when you guys reflect on the 2018-19 season 10-15 years from now what are going to be your biggest takeaways my biggest takeaway would be just that it was um such a grind you know having followed this team through this whole run you know you went from joy to kind of that it became a burden and it's a great burden and they would all accept it you know and that no one's complaining about it but they were exhausted physically mentally and like everything about it seemed difficult um from from getting through the regular season to just some of the interactions with the media, you know, the Kevin Durant thing hanging over the team, the the just little issues, little things, and, you know, even the first round with the Clippers. I mean, it just all – it was a grind. It was a grind from start to finish. And the fact that they got it this far to be, you know, one three-pointer away from forcing a game seven, considering everything that happened in terms of injuries – and and the weird dynamic that at times it's still it's a it's an amazing accomplishment i mean yes they were the prohibitive favorite to repeat 
or three-peat as champions by most of the people in the league. But when you watch the process day to day, it clearly was never going to be easy for them to do that. And ultimately, they were not able to. One thing that struck me was the expectations because they were already the prohibitive favorite to, to win the whole thing going in. Then they picked up Cousins out of, DeMarcus Cousins out of the blue. And I remember the talk then was, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. They're so insanely over-the-top talented, even though DeMarcus is going to miss the first half of the season, that they, they what are they going to win, 80 games, 75, 80 games? Come on. And people were just throwing in the towel right and left on behalf, on behalf of the rest of the league. I remember Mark Cuban, I talked to him at the summer league when Connor, when you couldn't go one day, so I filled in for you. And I asked Cuban, I said, what do you think now that they got DeMarcus Cousins? And he said, well, you know, people think that it's sort of a fait accompli, but we have to wait and see how things shake out because things have a way of shaking out, not the way people think they're going to turn out. So it turns out Cuban was right. And uh, that weight of expectations might have been kind of a burden. Yeah, I think Ann hit on one of the things that I would have is that in 2015, um, their championship run was joyful. They were chasing something together as a group um, and enjoying every minute of it. When you do this for five straight years, it's just so much pressure all the time. And I think even when they won the last couple of years, you heard guys talk about relief instead of joy. It, it wasn't like they were taking pleasure in winning it. It was like, oh, we did what we were supposed to. We're relieved. Um, and I think you saw that on, on their shoulders all year long. Um, I think they were beat up and tired and sometimes griping at each other and not playing their best. And, and, and I think that, that all played out here in the NBA Finals. There's a reason why dynasties are rare, and there's a reason why they don't last very long, especially in the modern era where you have social media and you have all this stuff weighing on teams. You can make the argument that the Warriors are really the first dynasty of the social media era because the last one, the last last team that was really close was the the Spurs, and then before that, the early 2000s Lakers. And for either of those teams. So Twitter and Instagram weren't really things. So um, I think that's been maybe the biggest issue the Warriors had to navigate this season was just all the speculation, the relentless chatter about Durant's free agency. And these guys are on their phones. They're on social media every day. They can't tune it out. And I think that that over time really wore on them as a group. Yeah. And the fact that uh, on the social media spectrum, they have at least a couple of the highest performing guys you got Kevin Durant who pays attention to everything reads everything he's on every kind of media you could get and he's very sensitive and you got Draymond who's always kind of on that thing you got Draymond's mom and so this is not a team that Kawhi Leonard probably doesn't even know what a, a Twitter is I don't know right. but these guys are just so hypersensitive to that stuff his last tweet was in 2015 and it was about <laughs> the San Diego State Aztecs go Aztecs <laughs> yeah I, I think that's right I mean I think you hit a, a good point there in, in talking about uh, again, an added pressure that, that is social media. And it's easy to say, uh, hey, block that stuff out. You guys are you guys are so good at, at compartmentalizing things and getting down to business. It's easy to say that they could be able to block it out, but but they can't. They have well, they have guys especially Durant. Right. It, yeah. it doesn't help that a lot of the speculation chatter was about someone who I don't think physically can get off right. social media. Right. And I, I he, he made things worse a lot of times this season where when there was a lot of talk about him, he would handle it in, in the worst possible way. When there was all that chatter about his free agency back in February, he dipped out for media for nine straight days. And so that became a whole huge narrative of 
the silent superstars not talking to media and then when he comes wasn't back that, after nine days fault, yeah when he comes back after nine days he calls out a media member publicly and makes it an even bigger deal than it otherwise would be. And so the, the fascinating thing about Durant is when he doesn't want something to be talked about anymore, he often fuels the narrative. He makes it worse. And that happened several times this season. Um, so it was a fascinating year and it really does feel, it did. It really felt like tonight in a lot of ways that this was the end uh, of, of whatever you want to call it, the dynasty, the run, the era. Um, because, for one, they do have nine free agents this summer. Two of them are named Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. And, oh, by the way, as we alluded to earlier, both those guys might miss all of next season with injuries. So the Warriors are facing a fascinating next few weeks because they have to figure out what do you do with two max-level caliber players who aren't going to play next season, potentially? I mean, do you keep them on the books on max deals if they're willing to come back? and just kind of wait around for them to come back knowing that you have to hodgepodge the roster with minimum contracts. I mean, they, they might, they're not going to be very good next year if that's the the Avenue they go, or do they let those guys walk and just start over? I mean, everything's different. I I, I can guarantee you that they're not letting Clay Thompson walk there. There's no chance in a million years after the way, not only he's performed, but the way he, he, you know, Clay, Clay is one of those guys who's going to have a statue at the Chase Center. Durant's a whole different story, and, and he, it's his choice, right? right? He has the option. So if he wants to rehab here for $31.5 million, that the Warriors have to honor that, and, and he very well could decide to do that. But, yeah, it's going to be a really different team. It could be a, not a very good team given, you know, what we've learned in really just like the last 90 minutes. Um, you know, I would have said that they would be a competitive team, maybe not a champion caliber team going into next year, but they'd be competitive. But without Clay, yeah, I, I don't think so. But that's it's a whole different thing. And, you know, I mean, I got to say, there's going to be I'm a big believer in sports karma. And there's going to be a lot of people saying this is the karma of leaving Oakland and going to the Chase Center. <laughs> and we'll see how many light years ahead uh, the Warriors are next year. I almost feel sorry for Joe Lake if he's going to open up a new arena next season, and those seats are very expensive. And I know that most of them are sold already, but uh, <laughs> if he has the team that we're kind of talking about, uh, where they'll be scuffling for a playoff spot, maybe he's got to fill a, a big arena every night, and uh, it might be tough, right? But but here's here's the thing with how the salary cap works and the CBA is assuming they bring Clay back, and I agree with that. And I, I think they will bring Clay back. Even if Durant leaves, they're they're going to be capped out. Right. So they they're not going to have money to replace Durant, and and Clay's not playing. So a, yeah. they're not going to be very good next year. I mean, it's going to be Steph and a bunch of other guys, Steph and Draymond and a bunch of other guys. I mean, the question is, given those situ- all those circumstances, maybe that ups the chances of the Warriors trading Draymond and, and trying to get value back for him because. He's he's already, you know, a year out from what he hopes will be a max contract. And as we've talked about before, we don't know if the Warriors agree with him that he's a max guy. So it's going to be fascinating. I think I mean, we're, we're talking literally minutes after we found this all out. So I haven't had a chance to actually dig into the numbers and and think about all the ramifications here. But it, everything that we've talked about for the past eight months 
the free agency, the speculation, it all just went out the window in like three days. Right. It's insane. But, but the thing about uh, Draymond, we're looking at the box score. He got a triple-double tonight. And this is the heart and souls. We I know he's getting older and all that stuff. But can you can, can you imagine? <laughs> Anna's, I think, finding us some beer. So bless her heart. <laughs> so, uh, but it... I forgot what I was going to say, but I, I know one thing. You better get back to the, the G League and find that uh, that guy. Where's that guy from? Latvia or something like that? You did the story on Connor? That, Serbia. Yeah, that guy, the Serbian. He, he might be the starting center next year. Well, it, it does kind of weirdly make the draft more interesting, which is in a few days, uh, because they might need those guys to play. Um, whoever they draft at 28 might actually matter. Uh, they don't want to get another Jacob Evans situation. They want someone that can actually play. Right. Um, and who knows? Maybe Jack, Jacob Evans will play next season. I mean, that's kind of what they're yeah. potentially looking at. It's it's crazy, and you know, it makes the whole free agency that much more interesting because it suddenly all those ancillary pieces like the Jordan Bells, the Jones Strebkos, the Alfonso McKinney's, the Quinn Cooks, all those guys who are also free agents matter because either you bring them back or you replace them with someone, and whoever fills that spot is probably going to need to play. So. It's uh I already knew this this summer was gonna be crazy, but the last couple of days have made him even crazier. Yeah, you know, it was it was funny when when you talked about how dramatic and, and what a grind this season was and I, I thought in my head, Oh man, just, just wait until July. You're you're about to really have, have some drama and some grind. Um but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a return to Stephen Curry and the screen setters, right? Um, oh, I love that. There's, there's, is that a, did you just come up with that right I think, now? I think Osler that's did that in 2015. No, no, that, I, that was not mine. That was a good one. <laughs> that's a great one. But that's, and, and we just saw in this entire series, when it is just Stephen Curry and the screen setters, a good defensive coach like Nick Nurse will triple team Stephen Curry, right? And then, and then even as talented and special as he is, um, he's not an MVP at that point. So the, and that's what the Warriors are looking at right now. Well, look at the defense they did, the Raptors did on Curry in this series. Um, you know, I, I don't have this, the series stats, but Steph had a bad series in terms of threes and didn't have a great series overall. I had a couple of fantastic games, and he and really a great player, obviously. But, but Clay outshot him like crazy from three. Clay was hot from three, but Steph couldn't. They didn't give any room. They triple teamed him. They double teamed him. They bombed him. They crashed him. They held him. They, he had no windows. The shots he did make were crazy. Uh, the, the difficulty was crazy, so, but yeah, if you could see that project that to next year, yeah. every team's doing because other teams watched this finals. I think right. they got video and they're saying, okay, what did they do? Now he's going to face the same thing next year with with basically a lot of times no help. Yeah, no, I mean that's the first thing I would do if I was uh, an NBA head coach is I would just go study the film for the last quarter plus from tonight and do that exact same defense on step because based off everything we're talking about, it might be that same lineup out for most of next season, which uh, is unbelievably daunting for Steph, who we know has a history of ankle issues and, and can get injured. And um, he does have a sl relatively slight frame when it comes to NBA builds. And if he has to shoulder that type of load all season, that type of defense all season, you can't expect him to be at his best come playoffs, even if, you know, Clay or hypothetically Durant come back come playoff time, you might be cast in on on Curry at that point. I mean, there's a, this is not 
this is a scary future that we're looking at with the Warriors. I mean, it, it and it's gotten so much worse in the past couple of days. Maybe well, the, maybe the Warriors will just pull off the San Antonio Spurs thing. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they were able to maintain a dynasty for so long is that they had one year where David Robinson was hurt and they said, well, then we're not going to play anybody. We're not going to be good. We're going to tank. And then they got Tim Duncan and the, like, and the dynasty continued. Um, the Warriors have to consider something like that. Do, do you try to be an eight seed and you know you can't win the championship? Is that worth it to you? Wait or, a second. You're, you're talking about the Warriors going into Chase Center next that's, year that's the and tanking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'll go over really well. I don't think Jake was. I just paid $800,000 for a season ticket, and these guys are tanking? Yeah, yeah great. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you just mentioned the words eight seed with the Warriors <laughs> and you weren't joking. Yeah. It blows my mind. Um, it's it's insane. The, was this a worst case scenario finals for the Warriors? Yeah, absolutely. The, the best case in retrospect, in all of ninety minutes now or whatever it is, two hours, is they should not have won Game Two. That way, they could have gotten swept, and they would have Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson healthy, and they would still have the same outcome, which is which is uh, losing. You know, I mean, it would have been a bummer, and there wouldn't have been this night at Oracle, but. Um, I don't know that that <clears throat> squeaking out a game six uh, and even a game five is the price you paid in these two games is 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 unbelievable and like we are talking about is going to have repercussions not just next year but for years and years to come. So I really you know the more we talk about it, it already felt like the end tonight just because it was the end of Oracle and it just really felt like kind of a closing moment of something. It really feels like this is the end of the dynasty because I think it's going to take um, it's it's not just going to take a year to recover from yeah. something like this because you don't know one if both players are coming back you don't know what they're going to be like when they come back and you don't know you know I mean a lot of these young guys were disappointing they're they're um, there's there's a lot of work to do can we just talk about who's the real MVP of tonight and Killian. Thank you. You can tell tell the people why I'm <laughs> tell the people why I'm the MVP. I just well, I'm going to tell them because I think there's a surveillance camera over there, and you might be uh, getting a call tomorrow from somebody for <laughs> tapping their beer cake. But but thanks anyway. I'm glad we're not in the in the video. Oh. But one thing I was going to say about about Durant, it it was like a worst a best and worst case scenario because the, his injury probably cemented his bond with the team because the way his team reacted and the way he reacted was just a love fest and he's probably thinking oh, i got to come back with these guys and of course if he comes back he's not going to be playing so that's the you, bad news you know who i feel really bad for right now rick Silbrini. yeah can you imagine being a first year nba head trainer <clears throat> never been a full-time trainer in the nba was working at mls for the previous five or six years before this being dropped into this situation where all spotlight all the spotlights are on you now um and the thing is i know the warriors love him you know he's he's I, by all accounts he's phenomenal at his job you you got to wonder if there's going to be any pressure on the warriors to to let a guy go just because of the the universal backlash against the training staff they're going to blame the training staff for for this and the reality of the situation is he probably walked into a tricky situation to begin with just because by the time he got here, there was already such a cumulative toll on all these bodies. Part of this might've been somewhat inevitable, honestly. Um, even though the Warriors did everything they could in terms of 
limiting their minute, the core guys minutes and finding rest days. I mean, or it could have just been a bunch of free luck as you, as, I, I, as you wrote yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I think injuries, um, I mean, there, these are two different injuries and I would not say that, um, Clay's in an ACL. I mean, I've torn my ACL. It's usually a freak kind of thing. It's not, it's not necessarily related to something else. So didn't you do that trying to reach for a, a beer can? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, the last time I was trying to tap a beer keg in a suite late at night. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's a certain dose of bad luck. There's a certain, certain amount of its wear and tear and a certain amount of it's just bad luck. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they will, uh, seriously, they will not fire Rick uh, Celebrini because uh, unless there's a smoking gun, the smoking gun would be if somebody somewhere comes up with information that they knew that Kevin Durant, there was a reasonable possibility he would blow out his Achilles. From what we know now, it was just a freak thing, and they didn't know that. Um, and if somebody comes, shows us evidence, shows people evidence that he either knew that or should have known that, then... Maybe his job is in jeopardy, but failing that, I don't. I don't think so. Just you know, it's bad luck. It's sports. People get hurt. But that's us sitting around here having a logical conversation. Unfortunately, that's not what most of society does. They're going to see that Kevin Durant had a right leg injury that may have been the calf or may have been a little lower where he actually grabbed <laughs> when he hurt. Um, and then you're going to see a game later that Clay Thompson, playing on an injured left hamstring, tears his ACL in his left leg. People are going to connect dots to this thing, even if even if it's not right. I'll say this: I hope Rick Celebrini doesn't have a Twitter feed. Right? <laughs> right. I don't think he does. Yeah. I don't think he does. Super nice guy, and like I said, considered one of the top sports physiotherapists in the world. So I'm not blaming him. I understand why people are, um, but I just I feel for him because he has a lot of investment in these guys and on a personal level when he's training with them, he gets to really know them. And I know it kills him in a really serious way to, to see all this happen. Um, I mean, I don't know if you guys looked at his face after when he was helping Durant off the court after game five in game five, but he looked just as destroyed as Durant did. So how do you, th how do you think he felt tonight when clay not only went down, then walked into the tunnel. Obviously, and he just turned around. Seriously injured. Turned around and came back on the court. Celebrini right, must have wanted to. Celebrini must have wanted to just do a flying tackle on the guy. <laughs> the, the he didn't like consult with anyone. He no. they have video of it. He just turned around and started walking. And I think everyone was kind of stunned. Like, wait, what are you doing? Um, just turned around. Can it, can it, I just say? I mean, I know it's sad now that we know he tore his ACL, but that was one of the great moments at Oracle. It was the most clay thing ever. He's yeah. <laughs> carried down the tunnel, and all of a sudden he pops back out, and it's just like, oh, there's he, clay. He hit both there's free clay. Yeah. He hit both yeah. three free throws, and I guess he was doing jumping jacks <laughs> right. or something in the yeah. in the tunnel. Yeah, I, you know, what reminded me of you guys. Ever, go way back, James Brown, the famous hardest working man in show business, soul guy. And at his concerts, he always had a thing. Towards the end of his concerts, he'd do this exhausting concert. And then he'd collapse on the stage. And one of his handlers would come out and put a cape over him and start leading him off the stage. And he could barely walk. All of a sudden, then he would throw this, the cape off and run back on the stage and do a fantastic song. And then they would do that two or three times. But that was Clay tonight. It's like he threw off that James Brown cape and just came back ready to rip or hope to rip. You know... What would have warranted Rick Silverini getting fired is if he had let Clay actually play the rest of the game. Because right. I'm sure Clay made a case. Oh, yeah. He yeah. would have tried to play. Right. 
Um, and I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I know that that could have severe repercussions. <laughs> um, the but, only thing that could have made the situation any better, um, and it was dramatic and beautiful and as loud as, as I can remember it being in here when Clay comes charging back down the tunnel to shoot the free throw. But if we could have had audio of him telling Coach Kerr, I'll be back in two minutes. <laughs> just, need to, just need to walk this off. And then him going into the locker room and sprinting around the locker room and doing jumping jacks, trying to do anything he can to convince the doctors to let him come back out. Um, that would have just wrapped up the whole thing. That would have, that would have been perfect. But that was like a that was like a movie. The last night at Oracle would be the name of the movie, and that would be one of the dramatic scenes. This complete idiot running back, <laughs> and I mean it in the kindest way, because Clay is like the weirdest athlete in Bay Area, Bay Area history in a very nice way, in, a, in the best way. When when Clay was twelve years old, he broke his foot and he pitched a little league game, yeah, on a broken foot. Like this is deeply ingrained in who he is. And people like to say, oh, you're son of an NBA player. You grew up in the Burbs. You're soft. He, he just, there's something really deeply ingrained in, in his DNA that makes him like this. Like he, he almost feels like inhuman. It, it's, it's unbelievable. 120 straight playoff games before sitting out game three. Um, he went, what, three seasons without missing a game. The only game he missed was to go to a funeral. Was to go to his grandfather's funeral. Um, he has played the most games of any NBA player since 2011-12 outside of DeAndre Jordan. Randomly. Oh, DeAndre Jordan has one more game than him. That's so weird. But Clay also plays for Team USA in the summer. You know right. what I mean? So just you think about the mileage on his, his body. It's not only that, but he the, uh, By the way, the Olympic team just took a pretty major hit, yeah. too, because I don't think either Clay or, or uh, Durant are going to be playing uh, in Japan. In, in Tokyo in uh, 2020. And Curry shouldn't either because he's going to have plenty of work <laughs> next season. Yeah, but he really wants to. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank I want to thank all our listeners for, for, for sticking with us all season. It's been really fun seeing Warriors off-court grow as much as it has the past few months. Um, we're going to, you know, even though the season's over, we're still going to keep this thing going uh, at least once a week throughout the off-season, at least while I'm working. I am going to take a break. Uh, from like mid July to mid September, no, but you I don't can't. You can't do it. I don't believe it for a second. Uh, but until then, we still have the draft coming up. We have free agency, as we as we know, free agency is going to be insane. Then we have summer league, so there's still plenty to talk about, plenty to plenty to digest. So always stay locked and loaded at sfchronicle.com. And I want to thank my colleagues here for sticking with me and helping me so much on the beat this year. It's been a lot of fun. I feel really good about the work we did. So thank you guys. Got it. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.